Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of Cadence Podcast. Today I'm joined by Murat Atesh. Murat is the Winnipeg Jets beat reporter for the Athletic Winnipeg. He blends analysis and storytelling together to create very thought-provoking articles. He also regularly appears on TSN 1290. Murat has a big passion for music, and the album we are discussing today is Boxer by The National. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of Cadence Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Marat Atesh. Marat, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So basically, on Cadence, every week, we'll break down uh, one album that has impacted or influenced your life in whatever way. So it could be through your personal life or through your writing, through music, in any way. So for you, that album is Boxer by The National. Um, so I guess we'll just start off with um, why is this the album that has impacted you most and in what way has it you know, influenced your life? Yeah, actually when I was talking to you originally about coming down here to, to do this podcast, I was thinking to myself about which album it was going to be. And I knew for a fact it was going to be The National because over the last decade or more, that would be the band that's resonated with me the most and seems to be the soundtrack to my life in so many different situations, travel, personally, all that sort of stuff. And then I realized that my entry point into it was definitely Boxer. Um, It came out in 2007. I would have discovered it later that winter. It might have been 2008 already by that point. But I think everybody has a place where music just sounds the best to them. And for me, that was always my good friend Nick's truck. And so I can remember the exact first time that I heard this album, Boxer by The National. Um, It opens with piano chords on a song called Fake Empire. And there were a whole bunch of us, maybe five or six of us, piled into his Dodge Ram in the parking lot of a Tim Hortons in West Broadway. Uh, You might know the one. And um, somebody went in to go get some coffee and somebody puts this album on. And while all of my friends are just like laughing and making jokes and things like this, I hear the piano come on and I realize that I'm falling in love and I'm going to need to have this music in my life for an extremely long time. And I think I knew it immediately at that point. Stay super late tonight, picking apples, making pies, put a little something in our lemonade and take it with us, put it half away in a fake empire. half away. So for you, it's like, you know, compared to other national albums that were before and after, this is kind of the one that was just that real time and place. It was just on and it just hit kind of thing. Yeah, it was absolutely my entry point to the band. And it wasn't long after that that they came out with their next album, High Violet, which is another big one on my list. But for me, getting into the band and and that summer, just in terms of where I was at in my life, we immediately took a road trip and we ended up in Sasquatch a music festival um, at the Gorge about an hour outside of Seattle, which is a beautiful place to take in some music. And the National was there. So oh, awesome. it all came to be at that time. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, it's such a, um interesting album to me because, like, it, I think, like, would you consider it to be a somber, sad album? Because it definitely, you know, if you look at some of the themes of, you know, kind of loss of adolescence and some of its interrelationships and, um, kind of, you know, dying relationships. But I don't know, for some reason, I had a 
like an interesting effect where I didn't really feel that sad. Maybe it is the piano, the chords. I don't know. I, would you consider it to be like more of a sad album? <laughs> so I think High Violet was, that was more. I remember I, I listened to that one. And I'm like, yeah, this is more just straight depressing to me. Sure. Yeah, I, I buy that argument for sure. I have a really good friend who describes the national as sad bastard music. I don't know if I get to use that phrase on <laughs> yeah, your podcast, sure. but I thought it was really, really apt uh, in terms of the themes that you mentioned. Um, there is even the, the newest album that they have from, I think, a little bit more than a year ago or maybe a little bit more than that. Um, was co-written between the lead singer and his wife, I believe. And a lot of it was talking about failing relationships. And uh, I thought that was such an interesting concept. But then you have beautiful piano and especially on Boxer, you have horns that come in at just the right time. And then uh, especially on uh, Fake Empire, the song that opens the album, they come in. And then just when they've sort of made you feel the thing that they need to do, um, then the, the band brings them out again and the drums are aggressive at times and there's always something interesting going on rhythmically and so you're sort of in this sad bastard space to use that phrase but um, I never feel uh, I've never listened to them thinking to myself that this is going to make me feel sad today mm-hmm, for sure and Fake Empire is such a, a great way to start the record and especially in you know today's social climate it's very apt like it's just a very it it really hits the nail on the head right now um i had seen that that song was actually used in a barack obama um campaign video like in 2008 and i'm like that's such a great song choice and it wasn't the lyrics or anything just the piano chord and i'm like that's such a great song to use because it's just so relevant to america and kind of the times (laughs) yeah aptly titled to fake empire definitely i'm with you there and i think on an earlier album um, Mr. November is a song that they have um, and I don't know if I can I swear on this show? Yeah, the lyrics uh, <laughs> are that I won't fuck us over I'm Mr. November, I'm Mr. November I won't fuck us over and mm. American elections always being in November, that one was like overtly political Yeah. Um, and I think that the band does go that way a lot of the time and, and has definitely spoken out about uh, I guess the state of affairs we should call them and, and has contributed to political things in the past, it's not my entry point to the band but I also I respect when people sort of stand up in in that sort of way as well. Yeah, for sure. Like you can use, especially with music, like you have such a big, and the national, you know, widely popular band, you can kind of use your music to make a point if you'd like to, you know, make a social statement. And I think that, you know, a lot of people may get on, you know, and this this even goes to athletes, musicians, whatever, where they're like, well, you know, you shouldn't, you should just kind of stick to, just doing your thing but yeah shut up and dribble exactly i I have no time for that no time at all people are people you get to have opinions about politics yeah and you can disagree but you can't disagree with the fact that they can speak out and say whatever they want 100 percent with you Mm -hmm. so you know fake empire are are there other tracks that um you know really stood out in that first listen or as you're listening now that just take you back there are just just favorite tracks on the album yeah, so very first listen, I got as far as Fake Empire, and then the song that comes after that is called Mistaken for Strangers, and it's a little bit more active. The drums kicked that off a little bit more, and that was also in the truck with all of the friends, and I remember that. And then from there, it was straight on to the Sasquatch Music Festival um, a few months after, and I remember that I was there specifically that afternoon or that evening to see Modest Mouse was my big draw. And I was going to see this band that I'd listened to forever. And um, I was also going to try to see The National if I could fit them in because I'd, I'd, I'd fallen in love with the first few songs of this album. Um, and then 
something had happened with the Nationals tour bus or some sort of travel delay, and all of a sudden they were very late to the festival and their uh, their time slot ended up conflicting with Modest Mouse. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I went to see the first few songs of the National thinking that I was going to leave them uh, to see Modest Mouse as soon as I possibly could. But um, if I recall correctly, it was roughly around Start a War. Um, it was one of the first couple of songs they played in the show, and I realized that I'm not going to leave. <laughs> like This band is too good live. Start a War is a, another really beautiful, haunting sort of song with uh, really sparse instrumentals and... Um, they just played it so well that that was my next sort of hook was was that song. Yeah, so kind of seeing them live also brought you there too. So is that the only time you've seen them? I've seen them, I think, four or five times. Oh, wow. I was trying to write them down. I got to the point where I would travel to see them. Like, Oh, really? Um, so that would have been the first time. A couple of years later, I drove out to, to Lollapalooza in, in Chicago to see them as well. Um, Coachella, the, the year after that, drove that, drove there to see and always, almost always with the same group of friends. I mentioned like music always sounded best to me in my buddy's truck there. And uh, he was always along for that ride. And then most recently, um, in the summer of 2016, I was traveling around France. And um, I saw that the National was playing a show in a, a really small outdoor square in a town in Italy. Oh. And I thought to myself, okay, well, we'll see about that. I bought two tickets just blindly, not knowing who the second person was going to be. And... Um, one day about i'm going to say it was like eight or nine days before the show i was in the middle of france i was hitchhiking to this underground cave system like this beautiful natural phenomenon that uh, there's a whole river you go on a boat you're you're underground and there's stalagmites and all, all this sort of stuff for me i just thought that that'd be really cool uh two dudes pick me up on the side of the road ask me where i'm going i say well you know this place and they're like okay sure that's on our way and we ended up becoming really good pals almost immediately. They decided to come for the the ride. It was their first day of a vacation that they were taking. And then every, at the end of the day, they, they asked me where I was staying. And it was in a hostel nearby. But would I want to join them and just camp for a couple of nights? Sure. A couple <laughs> days go by. This is pretty fun. We're swimming. We're cliff jumping. We're, we're going to see all these, like, for me, it was just about playing outside that summer all yeah. this all this time. And I realized that we're sort of inching east. And I asked the guys, like, hey, any chance that you want to take this all the way to Italy? And we ended up turning it into this whole two-week road trip vacation. They came to see the show. Um, and then the National was just the capper in a, a small town called Pistoia uh, as part of their blues festival. Oh, wow. That's such a great story. So you just you just kind of went to Europe just, you know, to, to just backpack and see it and then ended up right, right where you wanted to be pretty much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, that's wild. That's such a cool story. Um, so, what do you think? Um, the ti- I, I was kind of um, grasping with this when I was listening to it with the title, the Bo- boxer, and not even the boxer, just boxer. And I was trying to relate it to the themes of the album, and I, I couldn't really piece together what I thought the title really meant. Do you have any <laughs> opinions? That's a great question. I have no idea. I don't I know have- if it's like fighting yourself fighting time um, i don't know one of the things that i was picking up on the one of the most recent times like this week i've been listening to the album more and more um is that there's a lot of themes of sort of young professional trying to make it in the world and maybe getting a little bit jaded by it and i know that 
everybody in the band had had corporate jobs of some kind and they, they sort of found success as a band a little bit late more like late 20s early 30s compared to others and so they some of them did a very corporate climb at one point and something in that speaks to the struggle that you just talked about to me i have no idea yeah no clue at all but that and comes I f- out i forget what song it is but there's a song that does kind of specifically mention like working in this you know office position where now you're kind of being told what to do rather than um kind of making your own choices because now with work like you have to just you know do as you're told it's that whole kind of corporate um mindset or whatever but i forget what song that is but yeah that's that's definitely a a pretty potent theme on the album i think and you know seeing that you know we're not kids anymore we're not these these young rebels you know now it's you know you're kind of grown up and but again, I, don't, I didn't really see it. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't hear it as like a, a super sad, uh, like this is it now for the rest of our lives. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you've had this experience. I think it might be Squalor Victoria. It might be the song that you're 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 yeah, going for be. there, about wearing the blue tie and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people. I mean, I'm a writer. That's mm-hmm. my. Uh, my life and I know a lot of people who work in writing and film and music some of my closest friends are in these sort of artistic industries and growing up when you're just starting your career you you spend a lot of time wondering if it's even possible like can I feed myself through this thing am I going to get a break is this going to be something that I'm able to commit my life to do I need a fallback plan all that sort of stuff and I've talked to so many people who are beginning to have success now in their like late 20s, early 30s, and they've gotten, they've spent a decade trying to tread water and scramble and take every opportunity and claw, and then they've made it, and they have the opportunity to say no to work, or they're getting the gigs that they really want, and all of a sudden you have this realization of, like, now you have the almost privilege of opportunity. You don't have to say yes to jobs that you don't even like, so what are you going to do with that? That's a good point. And I, I pick up a little bit of that on the album, too, is that these guys aren't desperate anymore. They're not starving artists by the time that they're making it. Um, so they're not 100% disinfected or, disillu- or disaffected or disillusioned or anything like this. They've just been through it, and now this is kind of whatever it is that they want to say or sing about is my interpretation. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Because, I mean, even at this point, um, when I don't, I don't really know too much about you know, the band itself because this was... 2007 was this kind of near the beginning of their career it was the one that they exploded with okay. it's not their first album they have a, at least a, a few before it um but it's the one that sort of you know their first national tv appearance came with this one some of their biggest tours came with this mm-hmm. one before they were sort of like the plucky underdogs that probably were gonna be okay and yeah. i think this one this put it up there yeah 100%. and I, I know i saw a lot of um there's you know these songs were featured and i totally see why they're featured in a lot of you know tv dramas and you know end of a big episode climactic moment and that kind of thing because it's just so epic yeah they're so cinematic they're so moody they mm. they sort of tell stories within the song oh yeah for sure and i um a song i really liked was um slow slow show Um, 
And I saw an interview where some of the band members said this is the only song by their by them that gets frequently played at weddings. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really really liked that song and just the vibe and yeah, and you know just all about the relationship with this other person. And I think it was kind of all about um, you know being able to be goofy with them. You know, and, and not and kind of shed this public image of what a relationship should look like and what it should be. And it's just you can just be awkward and goofy. That was one of the few like songs that was just I think it was just it was meant to be happy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, too, a lot of the times with these road trips to the music festivals, especially in that early era, I was, I was still dating the, the first person I ever fell in love with. And she would always be at home because she had a, a, a grown up job at that point and all that sort of stuff. So I can definitely remember, I mean, the chorus of that song is I want to hurry home to you. Yeah. Right. And so I have got this song playing on the way back to the person who I love. And, and the idea, just like you say, like not always having to be like this perfect idealistic sort of thing, like put on a slow, dumb show, crack you up. Like, um, I think, uh, I'm no expert on these things, but the, the sorts of people in life that you can just be stupid with oh, yeah. are the ones who that you can be the most in, intimate with and trust mm-hmm. the most and all those sorts of things too. Yeah, so and they're generally call. the ones who kind of stick around, the ones you have, whether it's, you know, friends or, you know, in a ro- more romantic interest, those are the ones that tend to stick around and then if it if it does end that's the one those are the ones that tend to hurt the most we're gonna get super sad boy on this show well, sad bastard uh, music sad we called bastard. it that so <laughs> and even just like the imagery is just it was so cool to me just how you know and a lot of these songs it just talks about um you know, like doing a, doing boring adult things like baking a cake. I don't know why, just something like that just sticks out to me. Just like it's such such a realistic, real-life imagery, and it's written in such a way that it's so poetic, but at the same time, it's just relatable. Like every everything on this album I just felt related to at some point. Yeah, I, um, I was thinking about a writer or a writing podcast um, because I read a little bit of of Hemingway I guess mm-hmm. like every, everybody seems to experiment with Hemingway at some point yeah. in life and um, I was listening to a writing podcast that was um, just trying to talk about what good writing is or how you how you might know it when you saw it on a page and the idea was if you could pull a sentence out and it didn't change the meaning or you found that that sentence that you removed from a paragraph didn't really take away from the paragraph then that writing could still be improved. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a paragraph or a story and pulling that sentence out ruins it or changes its meaning too much to the point where it's not what it used to be anymore, then that's tight, good writing. And they were using Hemingway or a few of his stories as an example of that. And I, I think that on this album, both with the instruments that they bring in and out at just when they need them or the lyrical composition of it, I really feel like they've sort of hit that where all of the words, all of the notes, all the horns that they use sometimes but not others, piano that they use sometimes but others, is there precisely for a reason and they're telling you this story. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. And, and, you know, especially, and I think just the album and title or in, in general is very, um, is very tight. And it's, you know, it's a pretty, it's just a, a solid listen. There's no, there's no filler, I don't feel. And that's a, that's a good point with the, you know, um, the musicianship of it as well and you know especially in um, today's kind of streaming era where um, I think a lot of 
groups, whether it's you know rappers or or rock bands or whatever, they tend to put more songs on an album because they know the more songs will get streamed. So that doesn't necessarily, it kind of, it could take away from the album as a whole. Um, so it's it's admirable to see, you know, a band like this where they, everything is there for a reason. And there's nothing there that I feel that I was listening. I'm like, mm, this kind of could have been taken off or this section could have been taken out. Like it, it all just works. It's just super tight. Yeah, I guess that's the reason. Like they, I was on an airplane not too long ago um, and I saw that, there's a live performance of Boxer straight through, um, oh. live in Brussels. And you can find that, that on out. Spotify. And the idea that, you know, all these years later, that that could be a major production or something that people are really looking at just to play this thing from start to finish, I think it speaks well to it, that it really was this this dense, tightly packed uh, 13 songs, yeah, 12 songs, like 12, um, that, that just hit what it needed to do at, at that certain time mm-hmm. um. for sure and i think even um i don't i don't always play too much into cover arts and their place in terms of um you know making an album but i thought the cover art was super cool to this where it's just the band and it's like just this super minimalistic thing and just the title and you know with the black and behind it and the yellow I just think it almost it almost plays into the, the just the whole vibe of the album. The aesthetic of it is like super cool to me. Yeah, I was looking stuff up about this album like on the way in, and apparently that was the band playing a couple of its more romantic songs at at their producer's wedding. Oh, really? Somebody important to their to the band's wedding, anyway. And so that was a live performance. Somebody oh, just took that photo cool. and put it there, and I like it because especially when when you form these like deep relationships with songs, right? I mean, you're listening to them. I don't know what, everybody uses music in a different way, but it's headphones or in the car or um, whatever it is. You form this long-term relationship with the song or with the album. And when a band hits a certain size, it's it's hard to believe that you're going to see them in sort of like an intimate context of that room that you see on the, on the cover of the album. And I think honestly, like just symbolically for I think that album is what launched the band to a size that you couldn't find that small room anymore too so it just hit at exactly the right time even album art wise I like your pull on that one yeah no that's a good point where that's the last time they would ever play something of that unless you know it was a private thing but that's the last time they would ever play something of that size everything else is just going to be bigger now because because that album just what? up so much that's a good point I think of all the different times that I've seen them and the the 2008 Sasquatch they, it was you know a field of maybe 200 people maybe a lot of people elsewhere at the festival want to see Modest Mouse but then by Lollapalooza in 2010 um, it was we waited there in advance when the even before before the national set there was maybe 45 minutes of nothing and I just waited in the crowd just to make sure I had a decent spot mm-hmm. um and then uh, Coachella the year after that, it just like kept exploding and exploding and exploding. I should say actually, the one in Chicago was pretty special because um, partway through the show, the the lead singer started crowd surfing uh-huh. as he sometimes does, and he got into the crowd and was being like thrown around. He had a bottle of wine in his hand. He got, came near my section and like started pouring wine and like for folks so i drank wine from the national that made me feel pretty cool yeah but then he goes like off to a different section of the crowd and somebody drops him and he's like oh. fallen to the 
like from all we can tell, he's fallen and just face planted on like on the gravel, which was what we were all standing on. And then this just big, strong looking dude in a red T-shirt holds him up. <laughs> he caught him last possible second. He holds him up and he's like broadcasting all the screens and things like that. Everybody cheers and they send the singer back onto the stage. Uh, and a few years later, I learned that that dude was from Winnipeg. The really? guy who caught him. <laughs> That's saw him at so, a house party. That's so typical. You saw him at a house party? <laughs> yeah. That is so typical Winnipeg. That's like the just, that's just Winnipeg in a nutshell. Wherever you go, we just pop up in the most random places where it's like, really? You're from Winnipeg here. Yeah. It's crazy. It the biggest amazing. small town in the world. <laughs> I feel awful. I want to give him credit, but I forgot his name. Like I didn't, you know, I, I celebrated him the day I met him. Like, You're the guy that <laughs> saved the singer. But um, Guy in the red shirt in Chicago who saved the singer. Shout out to you. <laughs> yeah, Hopefully you're, you're listening. I'm if sure you're, you're out listening. there, we appreciate you. Exactly. Um, so th- this question is always kind of tough because it's tough to, you know, any music fan would say it's tough to pick favorites. Um, but would you consider this album to be your favorite album or record or is it just kind of the one that you feel has made an impact on you the most yeah that's sort of the argument that I had to have with myself on my way in because I feel that um, when I got into this album it was at a time where some of my more adolescent musical crushes were sort of just you know they weren't as relevant to me anymore I grew up on a lot of like 90s alternative rock some lyric heavy stuff like third eye blind and um, then I got into the Chili Peppers in a big way for a while and I, I played bass and I was trying to learn all the Chili Peppers songs but it had been a while since something came along and just had the mood and the lyrical content that really really spoke to me so I think that Boxer came into my life at a time where I kind of like needed permission to fall in love with music again and obsess over it and like I had this theory that after a certain port- part of your adulthood you know, it's not cool to, to just be an unabashed fan anymore. Or what, but then this changed it and reminded me that, hey, you can still um, you can still have that relationship with music throughout your life. And so it came at a key time. Um, but I think that the band specifically was at its peak for a little while. And um, High Violet, the one that came out after that, has a lot of songs that um, still speak to me in a big way. And like I can listen to them and it's time travel for me and it takes me to certain places I've traveled to or, or things like that as well. So I would like to think that Boxer is perhaps the most influential, but if I had to choose a favorite, it might be High Violet. It might be um, something completely unrelated. Mm -hmm. Uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, for example, we were talking about before we came on. There's just so many good pieces of Mm -hmm. In Rainbows by Radiohead. Like, um, there's just so so much good stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. And, yeah, you know, with Dark Fantasy, that was... um it made me realize, it really opened my eyes to hip hop production and how amazing it can be. And then I read, I know um, Complex put out an article, I don't know, a few years ago, or maybe 2013, 2014, after Dark Fantasy was released, where it was all about, you know, the writer had went to um, the whole recording sessions of that album of Dark Fantasy, and it was amazing to read. The 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 strict, it was like a, it was like a huge, he defined it as like a hip hop summer camp where the scheduling was so strict and Kanye like wouldn't he would sleep in the studio every night to get like two three hours of sleep and they had every morning they had breakfast they had um, basketball game and like it would you know everybody would walk through Pusha T would walk through and then Big Sean and then Raekwon and RZA and like everybody would just walk through at different times and just kind of contribute wherever they could but that was like wow that really opened because you know before 
when I was younger, I just kind of had the assumption that it's all just, you know, made on a computer and we could do it and it's not special, but no, the hip hop production is incredible. It's the level of obsession that goes into something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I had a, I had a boss years ago when I was working uh, for the International Center for Students at the University of Manitoba. It's very specific, but I was, he had a throwaway line that sometimes it's hard to believe how difficult it is. To, for something really to come all together, for even a simple event to ha- to happen, um, you know, you need the right people, the right organization, the right things like this, and then for such an ambitious piece of artwork like that, you know, like if Kanye wasn't at that part point of his life, you know, I don't know that he could make that album today. It seems like it, he's yeah. gone through some things since then. Oh or, yeah. Um, all of those other artists who all were on the upswing, and you you could all the cameos and the idea that Bon Iver was still. A, was yeah. was had just discovered some new autotune stuff that was going to be sampled on it mm-hmm. too like I, I think that that uh, just like boxer just like so many things could only have been the way that it was at, at a certain moment mm-hmm. and that's why context is just so amazing to me whether it be in yeah in in musical context of what's kind of available at the time in terms of technologies or what the trend is but also just that emotional um, personal context where yeah that was after he got exiled, really, for his own mistake at the VMAs. I'm not going to defend him for that necessarily. But, um, yeah, the fact that he left the country and was gone for, you know, years, really, and then came back with that, yeah, that was pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know the full, like, regimen of things that um, he would have had going on in his career, like the whole I'm going to let you finish moment. I don't know the details of that. And sometimes it's get you get into a bit of a conflicting space of well, like you love the music, but what you know what has happened or what has that artist done? Or it's so tough these this day and age. I think the national has a pretty cool and clean public record, which makes it fun for me <laughs> to like continue to to obsess over that band. And like I just found out that they have a, a new one coming up as well. Um, yeah, I'd heard they had a um, um, a single out. I think it was last week for their new album. I haven't listened to it yet, but. I hear it's pretty good so far. <laughs> yeah, um, for me, so far, so good. I find that most of the national stuff, because it's a bit like moody and dense and um, sometimes very, very specific in how it's constructed, uh, I find that it's more growing music for me most of the time. I say that I fell in love with Fake Empire immediately, and I did, but there's so much backtrack stuff, like on Boxer, Apartment Story. It took me years to fall in love with that one to the depth that um, that I would say I have now or... You know, I think I'm still discovering things about gospel at the very end that I didn't know beforehand. And it sort of just goes like this. So, I mean, I think I like it, but ask me in a year. Sort yeah, of thing. that's a good point. Something that, you know, you like now might not. Yeah. But music is, I think that's the most um, amazing thing with music for me is just how it's the ultimate time traveling piece of art, in my opinion, where I can listen to specific songs or albums or artists or whatever, and I can think of specific moments of where I was, either when I was listening to that or just relatable um, moments in my life when I was listening to it. And I just, there's no other, um, there's there's no other art form, whether it be movies or television or whatever, that takes me back to places as much as music does. And I'll just, I love it for that. <laughs> yeah, likewise, absolutely 100%. And I think for me, Fake Empire at the beginning of this, uh, those chords uh, of the piano that, I can hear them in any context, and luckily I haven't burned them out. You know, I, I don't listen to it so often that that it's happened, but I can 
hear them and be taken to at least seven places at the same time. At the end of that that trip I told you about where we ended up in Italy and I made these like really great friends who I'm still in touch with today, we ended up going back to, to France at the end of it where they needed to be and we went to Paris and I'd always, as a big fan of writers like Hemingway and Fitzgerald and all that sort of stuff, wanted to spend some time in the, at the left bank or the, the fifth arrondissement of Paris and things like this. Uh, which is where uh, Hemingway would have lived and Gertrude Stein and all of this sort of stuff. And by some coincidence, the three of us ended up in that neighborhood and we were at this pub that we'd had a, um, a drink on their patio. They were just closing, but they were going to have some sort of little like special after party deal. And I went inside and was able to convince them to sort of let us stick around. And then Fake Empire started playing. And I thought it was just the most perfect possible moment um, that just culminated. It was like an echo of the show that we'd been to. And um, it was the last night in Paris that I would have spent with, the, with those same buddies as well. And I can hear it. And I can hear it today and be taken to that exact place and what that pub was like and what the people who were there were like. Or I can be taken to Chicago and a Ferris wheel with someone who was dear to me mm-hmm. or I could be taken to that first time I heard it in the truck or whatever it is. Yeah. Right? Everybody's got it, that song. And that's the, and that's a great thing with, you know, kind of following this band for a while, being a fan of a specific artist or band. Cause you just start to, the more you listen to it, the more different, different moments of like the same album can kind of hit and it can just be taken back all the way through to that first, that first moment when you're in the truck or whatever. It's cool. Yeah. And I also had no idea that Sufjan Stevens was like all over this album, and that's. I really still don't cool. know that. Is that yeah. the case? <laughs> yeah, I was researching it, and they had uh, two or three songs where they provided, um, whether it's piano or different chords, and I'm like, that's awesome. That's probably why it also that's another contributing factor to why it sounds so good. Interesting. <laughs> well, you just taught me something. <laughs> I learned go. about Sufjan Stevens way late. Like, yeah, me too. Me too. Everyone was talking about it, and I'm like, okay. And then I went, and I'm like, okay, I see it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mentioned uh, a Chicago Ferris wheel a second ago, and that wasn't from the festival time that I mentioned earlier. Mm, but you fast forward some travel to all the way to 2014, and I ended up spending a lot of time in the city of Chicago. Um, I, while traveling in Ireland, fallen very deeply for somebody who lived in Chicago, and I would drive from Winnipeg. I'd drive the 13 hours and go spend a weekend there and then come back to Winnipeg and then try to do it again and all that sort of stuff. And eventually the strain of that, you know, it's very difficult mm-hmm. to do. But um, even this album is, is written all over that too. And there's um, another one of these memories is when we were just first getting to know each other, uh, she found out that I liked this album a lot and the national was showing up in chicago again and she made a point of um getting on this ferris wheel and recording a video of them at the precise moment that they played fake empire oh, and amazing. sent it to me and like all all of these different mm-hmm. things it's just amazing like you say different moments different yeah. times it's uh, it's and, and sometimes it sucks <laughs> that <laughs> it takes you back for the most time it's good even when it is it does suck it still feels good it's like therapeutic almost to be like i feel something yeah. but um yeah i don't know it, it's amazing how just the different different emotions and different feelings every, everything can just hit <laughs> it's very awesome though yeah no regrets as long yeah. as you live life deeply in, in in line with the intention you had at the time then exactly it should be all right yeah 
Well, Murat, thank you so much for coming on the show today. On this, you know, we had to we had to end this on a you know more of a somber note, right? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, that that really went some places. Yeah, but I guess music does that. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jonathan. Uh, if any of you listeners have not listened to this album, I recommend you do. And Hi Violet, and watch out for the new album. I know I will be. I'm sure, it'll be great. Hopefully, they go on tour somewhere. And yeah, we'll have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to chase that one down for sure. For sure. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. I also want to give a big thank you to Marat for joining me on today's episode. If you are a Winnipeg Jets fan or just a sports fan in general, I'd highly recommend you look into a subscription to The Athletic so you can follow Marat and others' works. Next episode will be the final episode of Season 1 of Cadence. I'm going to give more background to myself and the album that influenced me the most in my life. Thank you again so much for listening today, and I'll see you next time.